on really talking about soul winning. I praise God for souls. Amen. Um, Proverbs 11 and verse 30, it says, He that wins souls is wise. And you know what? We need to have a heart for people. And you know what? We do a lot in the move of God. And you know what? And thank God for everything that we do in church. But you know what? It's important for us also to keep an eye on the harvest as well. I always like to say I have one eye, one eye on the, the things of, of the church as an inside, one eye on the world and reaching the world, and that gives you 2020 vision. And if you want to have 2020 vision as a believer, you need to be able to understand how church works because we're part of church. But we also need to be able to have a heart for the lost. And we need to know how both of those work and both of those operate. And, um, you know, we don't want to ever lose our sight for the lost. Because there's souls all around us that need Jesus. And I really believe we're going to start seeing more and more and more people in Ireland getting saved. I believe there's, there's a harvest that is waiting. Amen. There's a harvest that is ready. I believe the fields are white unto harvest. And I believe Ireland's ready for a move of God. Well, among all of the stuff that's going on, I believe there's a people that are bewildered. And there's a people that realize they need something more in life. And I'll tell you, the church doesn't need to miss its... Um, a mission at this time. Our mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. That's our mission as believers. That's one side of it, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have, you know, that twofold mission where we are to, it's the Great Commission. Amen. And it's the Great Commission. There's no better commission. It's what Jesus gave to us. And that is in, in Mark chapter 16, it says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're not to be selective whenever it comes to preaching the gospel. We're to have a love for people, a love for humanity. And we'll be selective if we have prejudice and all of those kind of things. We have to stay out of all of that if we're going to reach the lost. You know, we can't get involved in all of the political stuff that goes on. We can be aware of it. We, you know, we're not blinded. And it doesn't mean to say that you don't stand for things as we, we talked about the last time we were together. We are to stand for stuff. The Bible tells us that we are the light of the world. And it also tells us that we're the salt of the earth. And so we are salt. But I was saying the last time we were together, I was just saying, don't let your um, opposition of beliefs that are out there at the minute, don't let your opposition of beliefs, even your hatred for some beliefs, don't let that spill over to a hatred for people because it'll stop you from reaching people. We, there is things we hate and there's things we love. We are to love the things of God, which means then you hate the opposite of that. And God hates. There's things that God hates. God hates anything that's hurting you. Anything that would destroy you, God hates it. God hates sin. He hates it, but He loves the people. Yeah. And we need to be able to stand for what is right, but never stop shining our light. We're to be able to be grace and truth. Grace and truth in the Bible is never separated. They are one. It's not, some people say, oh, you know what? I'm of grace, and somebody else says, I'm of truth. Grace and truth are one unit. They're not separate. Jesus came full of grace and truth. You never separate, you never take that and out of there. 
and separate them. Some people are just truth and they have a baseball bat and they just batter people and they may be saying what is right, but nobody is being one. People are just being pushed away and pushed away and pushed away. Then you have another group over here and they have a wrong impression of grace. They're just grace and anything goes and you can't tell the difference between them and the world because their grace is lasciviousness. Their grace is a license to sin and so you don't see a difference. Let me tell you, it is okay to be different. Not weird. Different. Some Christians are weirdos. Absolute weirdos. They're the strangest people on the face of planet Earth. There are some Christians you can't have a conversation with them because they don't know how to talk to people outside of church. They talk, they talk church lingo. You know what I mean? They talk church and they can't talk. They don't know how to have a conversation. But it works in church. And it's a religious thing. In many instances where people are just religious and it works in church, the way they talk, but it doesn't, they don't talk like that in normal life. And you can't do all of these wee fancy things and all, and, and feel the anointed and all of those kind of things. And I'm not saying that we don't experience anointed and all of them kind of things, but you know what I'm talking about, where some people, they cannot have a proper conversation with someone. Because they're weird. You know what, as believers, we can be spiritual and also, spiritual and also very practical. We can be spiritual and still be able to reach someone where they're at. Amen? Amen. We're full of grace and truth. We never are meant to compromise. You don't have to compromise your beliefs to reach someone. And don't let anybody ever tell you that. That you have to compromise. You have to water things down to reach people. We never have to water things down. But we also need to be very skilled when it comes to reaching the unsaved. Because to to reach the unsaved, you don't need to give them a ton of salt. You give a sprinkle of salt. And you give a ton of grace. Amen. I read this verse last time we were together, but let me just read it out again. Colossians chapter 4, because I read, I read verse 6, but I didn't read verse 5. And it's important to read the verse that is before this. Colossians 4, and it says here in verse 5, look at that, walk in wisdom towards them that are without. And then it says, redeem in the time. Make use of your time. Make use of every opportunity. Every opportunity we get to talk to people, make use of it. You meet people where they're at. Some people are only ready. One word could be enough, and then they don't want to talk anymore. One sentence is enough, they don't want to talk anymore. Or maybe they just have a wee bit they want to hear from you, and then they want to change the subject. That's not the time to keep piling on the pressure. That's the time that you, you, may, you made use of the opportunity. That's where they were at. Praise God. Let me tell you, one word from God can change a person's life forever. We don't need to be God. We're not the Holy Ghost. We just take the opportunities when they come up. And we get that window of opportunity. We get that wee bit in. And praise God, learn how to be smart whenever we're around the world. But we don't need to compromise. But I love this here. It says, use wisdom. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without. Now, who's these people that are without? In the New Living Translation, it says, those who are not believers. Okay? The Amplified says here, conduct yourself with wisdom 
in your interactions with outsiders. And then it says in brackets, non-believers. And it says, make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. It's precious. When you get a small opportunity, it's precious. And so when it's talking about outsiders, it's not talking about people, oh, they're outsiders and we have nothing to do with them. What it's talking about is we're part of the church. And the church is known as the mystery. Okay? We're a mystery that was hidden God from before the foundations of the world. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you're in the church, you're in the mystery. When you're not in the church, you're, you're, you're just on the outside. You're not saved yet. And so it's an unbeliever, it's someone who's not on the inside as and they haven't received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. It doesn't mean to say we treat all oh, your outsiders, you're... You know what I mean? We have nothing to do with you. No, it's we want them on the inside. We want them to receive Jesus. So it's talking here about non-believers. And look at what it said. Use wisdom when you talk to the world. When you talk to people that are not saved. When you talk to family members that are not saved. When you talk to friends at work that are not saved. When you talk to people in, you know what, in the football club or whatever. People in your life that you interact with who are not saved. Use wisdom and make the most of every opportunity that you get. And then it says here in verse 6, let your speech be, look at this, always. Amen. With grace. What does that mean? Grace means don't give people what they deserve. Give people the unmerited favor of God. Don't be hammering on at people because every word they say. You know what? You know how filthy talk and you know all of those kind of things. Let me tell you, we shouldn't be surprised when we're around the world and the world's in. That shouldn't be a surprise. That's what the world do. Now, many times when people get to know you after a while, they'll change their behavior when they're in your company. Because when you talk to them, they recognize that you're not like everybody else. And they do change many times. They won't say the same things. But you know what? It's not our job to point out everything wrong in someone's life. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are ambassadors. And an ambassador represents the home country. We represent heaven here on earth. And let me tell you, when God's ministering to people, we are to come as God's representative and letting people know that God is not holding your sin against you. That's our message. Our message is not that sin is okay. Our message is not that God, you know what, has turned a blind eye to sin. That's not our message. Our message is Jesus took your sin. And because Jesus took your sin, God's not holding your sin against you. That's our message. Amen? And our message is not to go to the world and point out everything wrong in their life. Now, when the Bible talks about um, seasoned with salt, you know, if somebody's talking to you and they ask you and they say, what do you think of this is what's happening? Or what do you think all of the things that are happening in the world and our culture? Somebody asks you a direct question about something or if it's in the conversation, you don't have to compromise what you believe. Amen? Somebody asked me, what's a woman? I'm not going to stumble. And what's a woman? 
But I also can have a ton of grace because there's a lot of people in our generation that are totally confused. And I tell you, the universities in our world today are a big part of the problem because they're not educating people, they're indoctrinating people. So you can go to to university normal and you'll come out with an ideology, not an education. Now, you might get an education or you might get a qualification as well, but you're also going to get a ton of brainwashing as well when you're there. But I tell you, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free and we don't need to shy away from the truth. But also, when you minister to someone, you can minister to someone with the truth, but also do it in love. You can also do it full of grace and compassion. You know, we're not there to beat people. It's not about being right. You understand? And we are to be right. Scripture is right. We're to be able to know the difference between good and evil, the Bible lets us know. We're meant to understand these things. But in a conversation with someone, it's not about winning the argument. It's not about being right in the sense of I'm going to be right and batter you into the ground. That's not what it's about. Yet you stand for the truth. It's about winning the person. There's no sense in winning an argument and losing the person in the process and, and to be able to kick the thing and say, well, you got, you got what you deserved and walk away. Yeah, you couldn't answer that, could you? That's not, that's not going to win anybody. The truth is what the truth is. We don't, the, the truth will, you just speak it, the truth will defend itself. You just speak it. But it's not always about being right and not overpowering way to turn around and say, I won. We're not here to win arguments. We're here to win people. That's why I was never, as a believer, I was never one for going into Christian chat rooms on um, the computer. And I had people, you know, I want to invite you into our Christian chat room. No chance. Do you know why? All it was was arguments. Nobody wants to know what's right. They always just want to fight. And it's a bunch of Christians fighting. I have no time for that. Because who wants to win an argument and you can't sleep at night because you're so mad at some Christian? I told them, I give them my five scriptures. They don't care about your five scriptures. They'll be back arguing the same thing the next night. And there are people who are not looking for answers. They're looking for a fight. And it's not about winning an argument. As believers, a big part of our mission is to reach the lost in the Great Commission. And you know what? I have family members that need Jesus. And I'm sure you have family members that need Jesus. And we need to be smart when it comes to winning the lost. We don't need to be a bunch of weirdos around our family. Yet we don't need to be the same as everybody else. We need to be different, but different because we're light. Different because we have the life of God in us. Not different where we isolate ourselves from people and, you know, we can't talk to you because you may contaminate me. No, different as in, you know what, you're not going to contaminate me. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I can be around you. And you know what, when the opportunity comes up, even if it's for one sentence, I'm going to take my opportunity when it comes. If they don't like it or if they whatever, I'm not going to be there to win a fight and win an argument and cause a whole family row. I'm there just to reach people. Amen? Amen. If people don't like it, praise the Lord. That's okay. You don't want to hear that's okay. You know, we can talk about other things. What about the football yesterday? Or what about, you know, what's ha- talk about something. How's your dog? How's the cat? You know what I mean? How are you getting on your school? You can talk about a load of other things. 
and take the opportunities that we do get. You know, um, I was sharing along these same lines um, last week whenever I was ministering and there was a, a girl came up to me after the service and um, she said to me, um, she said, you know what, I, I, I'm so glad I came this morning to church. And this is a girl that sold out to Jesus. This is a girl that's on fire for God. And she said to me, she said, do you, do you know what? She says, I got an invite to go to a wedding of one of my friends, probably a school friend or whatever. And she said, I, I didn't know whether to go or not. She said, because you know what? I didn't want to go because she was just thinking of all of the, the partying and the drinking and all of those kind of things, that part of the wedding that goes on. And um, she said, but you know what? God really ministered to me this morning. She says that I know I can go there and I don't have to be like any, be different. I can just be me. And she said, I can go and be me. I'm on fire for God. I'm not looking to do those things. She says, I realized this morning I don't have to be isolated. I can be effective whenever I go. And she said, you know what? She says, uh, she says, I actually had a dream. And she said, and in the dream, and I, know, I don't buy into a lot of things all the time when people tell you they have dreams and stuff like, because, you know, a lot of stuff like that can go on too. And, you know, sometimes people put more trust in a dream than they do in the word. But I believe God can speak to us that way as well. But she said, it was, uh, God, she says, I had a dream. She says, but in the dream, she says, I was at the wedding. And her words was this, I was just me. I was me, the me that I am, the one who loves God, the one who is on fire for God. I realized, she says, after coming this morning and listening to that message, I realized I could go to a family event and be myself. I could go there and reach people. I could go there and people could see my friends or a friend's event that was a, a friend's wedding. I could go and friends could see that God's made a difference in my life. And I could go and still have fun and enjoy the wedding and still be me. Sometimes people think when you're a Christian, you can't be around anybody anymore. How are we going to win the lost if we're not around them? So we are to be around the world, but we're to be different. We are to be around the world, but we're to have, to, we're to have wisdom. Then um, I was listening to a, a clip that came up on, um, on Facebook the other day. And it was from a preacher that was back in the 90s, okay? And it was, um, it was a real preaching message. You know, we're just real preaching, you know, real upbeat and a conference kind of a message. But it was grieving my heart listening to the testimony that he was given until it got to a certain point. And he started off in this testimony. He said that he was in Scotland and he says he needed a haircut. And so he says, I went to, um, he wasn't in Longford, he could have got a good haircut. But um, he, he, was, <laughs> he was in Scotland, he says, and I went into this barber, and he says, and he started cutting my hair, and he says, and the language that started coming out of him, and he was running down this one, and, you know, effing and blinding people in politics and all of this kind of stuff, and he was just talking about, oh, it's terrible sitting there having to listen to this heathen. You know what I mean? Cutting my hair kind of a thing, breathing over me and, you know, that kind of a thing in a demon place and all of this kind of stuff. And I was listening to it and it was starting to annoy me. I was getting angry actually listening to it in a righteous way. Oh, if you know what? Well, praise God, you were there for that man. You know what I mean? And then um, 
He said then, oh, he came back to America, he says, and then at that time he says, Nina, no hair cutting. He says, there's somebody that usually cut his hair, a girl or whatever, that usually cut his hair. And he says, and she wasn't available that day. He said, so they says we had somebody else who can cut your hair. And he says, oh, well, sure, it's the same place, they're probably okay. He said, so the next thing she came out and he says, when I seen her, you know, he says, here she comes, hat, pants on, everything that she was wearing was stuck to her. And like this is in the 90s, you know what I mean? For all these hat pants and all, probably, you see, everybody wears stuff like that now, but I'm just saying, oh, back then, like, and he said she was covered in tattoos and her hair was, I don't know how many different colors. And he said she must have had about a hundred piercings in her face, you know, in her ears and nose and everything. And he starts saying, you know what? What's this woman here going to have in common with me? What am I going to talk to this woman here about? And it was the way he was saying it. And then he said that she asked him, you know, what do you do? And he said, I'm a preacher. And she turned around and she said, do you know what she says? My mother is an addict. And she said, somebody give my mother some ministry. Give her a video. It was to do with the end days. Give her a video. And she says, and we all sat around the TV and we all watched it. And she says, I don't know all of these things because I was never brought up to understand all of these things. But she says, all I know is this. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And that man then realized what he was there for. And that's when the testimony got good. And he turned around and he said, what gives us the right to pick and choose who gets the gospel? You see, sometimes we can be so churched that we forget where we came from. Sometimes we can be so comfortable in church that we have forgot what it is to be able to reach people who are lost. We're so comfortable in the salt shaker, hanging around with salt, that we don't know how to get out of the salt shaker and be truth to people, but also come with a ton of grace. And you know what? And he said to that girl, when you're finished cutting my hair and on your lunch break or whatever it is, he says, I'm going to go and we'll come back or whatever. And he says, and we can sit outside the shop and I'll talk to you all about the things of God. Do you know what's amazing how we can miss our opportunities? And do you know what? I've missed loads. I'm sure you have as well. I've missed opportunities. Whether I was embarrassed over the years or felt intimidated or felt they won't, they won't want to hear anything I have got to say. Sometimes we go by the shell and we don't see the person that's on the inside maybe crying out for answers. And we don't know. You know what, there was a, there was a, a friend of ours the other night brought a, brought a man to church the other night and... Um, they met in an environment outside of church, like in a setting where you get to meet people and talk to people and befriend people and all those kind of things in the, in the community. And he brought that man to church the other night and that man was as ripe as a cherry falling off the tree. And he received Jesus the other night because someone took the opportunity to befriend someone and talk to them and invited them to church. And they got saved. Now, you don't have to go to church to get saved, but that's what it's about. Amen? This contamination mindset is not where we're meant to be at as believers. But let me look here for a second. John chapter 17. This is in that famous prayer of Jesus. 
Amen. We need to get our expectancy level up yes. for souls. Every chair in here that's empty is an opportunity. Amen. Yes. It's for someone. It's someone's name on it. Praise God. Yes. John 17. Look, look at what Jesus said here. Verse 11. It says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I am come to thee. In other words, Father, I'm coming back to you. Holy Father, keep through, uh, keep um, through thine own name those that thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Verse 15, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but you should keep them what? from the evil. And we're meant to be different. We're meant to be in the world and different. Let me tell you, we're not meant to be absorbed in the culture. We're meant to be absorbed in the kingdom of God, in the culture of heaven. Then it says here, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Look at this here. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me in the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I have sanctified myself, that they might be sanctified through thy truth. Neither pray I for these, these alone, but for them also that shall believe on me through their word. That's us. We believe because the apostles went and they, they preached the gospel and it's came down to us. And now Jesus is saying, I've sent you into the world. I've left you here. But you know, notice what it said. It said, sanctify them through thy truth. Let me tell you, if you're going to win souls, if you're going to go to the lost, you need to first of all go to the word. Amen. If you're going to go to the world, go to church first. Praise God. Some people just want to go to the world. And then what happens is they go out into the world and you know the temptation of the world? They can't, they can't withstand it. And the, the temptation overwhelms them. And instead of being the influence, they are influenced. See, it's not about just saying, oh, just go to the lost. No, it's about go to church. Because the Great Commission is twofold. Number one, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Number two, teach all nations. And so if you're going to reach the lost, you have to be taught. You have to be taught because it's only the word that will sanctify you. It's only the word that will keep you set apart when you go into the world. Because you need to be set apart from the world because that world system out there, God's not the, the God of that system that's out there. God owns the planet. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and the gold is his. Amen. But the system that's in this world, Satan is the God of it. And I'll tell you, Satan is a master deceiver. And if you're not full of the word, that devil out there, he's a deceiver. I've seen so many Christians that they have said they're going to go and win the lost. And their mentality is I'm going to win the lost at any cost. I'm not going to win the lost at any cost. Because if you're going to win the lost at any cost, you'll compromise. You'll do things that you wouldn't normally do. You'll, you'll partake of things that you wouldn't normally partake of. You'll water things down because you're looking to win the lost. We're not to water the truth down. Because we need the truth. Because the truth is what we need as believers. Because it sanctifies us when we go to the world. So that the world doesn't, doesn't affect us. We affect the world. 
And when you go to the world, if you're not being effective, if it's having a bigger impact on you than you are on it, you need to not go to certain places. You just need to allow church to impact you until you are equipped so that then you can go and withstand it. I've seen people say, you know what? I came out of a background of drugs. I'm going to go and reach the people and they're not ready. And after a while, they're back on the drugs. Because yes, they got saved in their spirit, but they still had the addiction still in their body. And being in that environment, it was pulling on them and pulling on them and pulling on them and pulling on them. And they sat there for so long that after a while, they're back doing the very thing that they used to do. That's not, that's not, that's not what it's about. Do you know what? If, if, if someone had a serious addiction with something, sometimes you just need to totally isolate yourself from it. And maybe someday you'll be ready to go back into that environment. But you have to use wisdom. Amen? Amen. The Word of God is like a, a big washing machine. <laughs> that you get inside it. And you know what? And you put the wash on. And it'll, it'll just keep washing you. And every time you come to church, you know what it is? It's a washing. Washing you. Washing your mind. Praise God. Well, you know, it would be great if you could just be, have your mind renewed. And I just pulled out a thumb drive this morning and just stuck it in you. And, and you know what? And you just had your mind renewed. It doesn't work that way. You have to renew your mind on purpose. And it takes a lifetime of renewing your mind. Now, you can renew your mind to a place where you start getting set free in areas and to where the Word of God has such an influence in your life. It has such a hold on your life that you can go into environments and do certain things because the Word of God is working in your life. But you'll never not be renewing your mind because we forget. And and Peter says, I'm going to put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them. Sometimes people say, he said that scripture last week. Yeah, and we'll probably say it the next time we come as well. Do you know why? Because faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing, and hearing. The Word of God isn't something old, it's something new every time you hear it. It keeps you fresh. There's a washing in it. There's a freshness in the Word. Amen. So soul, soul winners need to go to church before they go to the world. That'll help a lot of people. Amen. Do you know what? If you were going to work with sewage in a sewage plant, you wouldn't go there without your protective clothing, masks, earplugs, all of those kind of things. You'd be suited from head to toe. Why? Because you don't want that sewage on you. That toxin maybe to get inside you. You don't want that. So you, you're, you're prepared. Well, let me tell you, the Bible tells us about the wiles of the devil. The Bible tells us about all of those things. We're not to live in fear of the devil, but you go suited and booted. You put on the armor of God, the armor of God, every part of it. You'll find every part of it in the Word, and you're putting the Word on. And you're standing who you are in Christ Jesus as you go. It's not that we have a contamination mindset. It's that we are in the Word. And the Word is not going to isolate us. It's going to insulate us so that when we go to the world, we be the influence. Amen. See, we do have to be wise as well. Um, I'll call these out here quick. Um, Psalms 119 and verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Bless, uh, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Yeah. Do you see, teaching 
allows you to be equipped so that then, you know, it prevents you and isolates you from doing certain things. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I have hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, it says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Don't be deceived. People say, oh, I can sit in those environments. I can sit in them. I can sit in them. I can sit in them. Don't be deceived. Yeah. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived to think that you can just go place and sit in there. I have seen so many believers tell me that they can do certain things. And you know what? Today, they're more like the world than they are like Jesus. And that's sad. But many times it started with the right heart. So it's not about just going to the world. And I mean, we in everyday life, okay, we reach the world, okay? I'm talking more. Sometimes people go into certain places or into environments or into different things there. Let me tell you, we need to be smart as well. The Bible says to awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. Do you know what he's telling the Corinthians? Do you know what? You haven't taught the people who they are. People need to know who they are. People need to awake to righteousness. If you're going to go to the lost, you need to know who you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, praise God. Now, last, last time I was here, do you remember I talked about in Corinth that Paul was under pressure in Corinth and you know what? He had that vision and God said to him, basically, don't go anywhere because I have many people in the city. And straight after that, what happened with Paul? He stayed there for a year and six months and the Bible says, and he taught the people. Do you know what? It is important to reach people. But I'm telling you, do you know what believers need? Believers need to be taught. And he stayed there and he taught the people. Let me just show a couple of these things quickly just before we go today. Because over in Corinthians, if you look in Corinthians, like 1 Corinthians, I said actually last week, I said last Saturday actually, and I said and I read 1 Corinthians, just meditated in the book, I stayed in it, just meditated, just read one chapter after another. But I read it in the light of winning souls. And it's a great book for, for dealing with reaching the lost. And you know what? You look, and there was a lot of problems in this church. And you know what? It's bad witness. So you have, like, you know, you have division. You have people fighting. That's not a good witness. No. You know what? When you get a heart for souls, it's amazing how division and all of those things and strife and the small things, they take their place. They're not as big. You can sort them out because we have something bigger that we're doing. And so do you see all of these things in that church? There was a lot of things that were wrong in that church. There was uh, sexual problems in the church. There was people taking each other to court. Believers taking each other to court before the world. It, didn't go, it just looked terrible to the world. Um, you know what? It told us how to use the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Because you know what? Remember the world comes in and if you have somebody up preaching in tongues, it's going to look stupid. Because they think we're mad. But that didn't say don't use the gifts. That said there could be a tongue and an interpretation. But there has to be an interpretation. Because the gifts of the Holy Ghost are also for the unsaved. They're, many times they're for the unsaved. They get the unsaved's attention. There's a lot of people who have got saved because there was a tongue and an interpretation. And the interpretation hit that person in the heart like a ton of bricks and melted them. And they realized God's in this place. I, I have a friend that got saved who was an atheist who got saved because of being in a meeting where there was tongues and interpretation of tongues. 
So it's not about that, you know, you cut back on all of those things, that you do everything decently and in order. You know, what? We, we have love in the church. They were coming to the Lord's table and getting hammered and all of those kind of things. It was just a bad witness. But if you look, Paul also in 1 Corinthians, he talks about reaching the lost, but the 1 Corinthians is also a great book on teaching. And he's teaching the church. He's teaching them about unity. He's teaching them about the love of God. He's teaching them about the revelation that comes from the Holy Ghost and all of these kind of things. You look through, you see it's all teaching as well. There's both of those things. Because, you see, there is a difference in how we deal with the world and how we deal with the church. Amen. Let me show us here for a second. Look at first, first, um, Thess- or first Corinthians chapter 2. Look at what Paul said here in verse 1. <clears throat> he said, Hey, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom. That's talking about, you know, the world's wisdom. I didn't come with fancy words. and I didn't come to impress you. Declaring unto you the testimony of the Lord, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When it came to reaching the unsaved, Paul had a simple message Jesus. Let me tell you, when we go to the Word, we don't need to complicate it and start talking about deep truths in the Word of God. You tell them simply, in simple terms, the gospel. Amen? And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do you know when Paul went to the world, he went leaning on the Holy Ghost the whole time. He he trusted in God. He trusted for God to back up his words that he spoke in the message. Amen? And the point I'm just saying here was with simple words, okay? And a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Now look in verse 6. How be it? Look at that. This is to believers. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature believers, okay? He's talking now to the church. Howbeit we speak wisdom, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor, the, nor of the prince of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom that God ordained from before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would never have crucified who? Lord the Lord of glory. What is the mystery? The mystery is the church, the church age. See, this time period of the church that we live in, the Bible called it a mystery. And you know what? For believers, we need to be taught the mystery. We need to be taught what's ours, who we are in Christ. You need to know Christ in you, the hope of glory. You need to know that you have the Holy Ghost living in you. You need to know, you need to have the Word of God revealed to you by the Spirit of God. That's what he goes on to talk about, that the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. And we need the Holy Spirit speaking to us. He ministers spiritual things to us. It goes off in your spirit. It's spirit to spirit. When the Word is taught, your spirit gets it. It ministers to your spirit as a believer. 
Amen. And what I'm saying here, how be it, we, we do speak truth. We do speak the things of God. Amen. We do th- speak things by the Spirit of God. That's what church is for. Church is a place where you come and learn. Amen. We deal with the world different. When you go to the world, you keep it simple. When you go to the world, you give it so simple that they can get it. You don't complicate it. You don't make it difficult. You don't start talking about deep things and, you know, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and, you know, and all of these kind of things. That's not what you talk about. What do you talk about? You talk about Jesus dying for them. You talk about that Jesus took your place. You keep it all about Jesus and what he done for them and you give them the grace of God. Amen? Amen. With believers, now that you are saved, as a believer, you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to know that you are now the church and what's the church's job here? Let me tell you, it's the church's job to go in and impact that world. It's the church's job to be trained, equipped. You have gifts, callings of God upon your life. Let me tell you, you have a purpose. You are, you are Jesus' arms, legs, mouth in this earth. You are to go as Jesus' representative. You are to be trained. You are to find out who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to know you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to be able to put on the armor of God and go and engage this world and reach people for Jesus Christ. But you'll not be able to go to the world and be effective until you go to church and be equipped. Amen. Amen. So we deal with the world different than we deal with the church. We teach the church, and when we go to the world, we proclaim Jesus. We give the world the headlines of the gospel. In church, we go to the paragraphs, and we open it up, and we get taught. Amen. Many times in the world, there's great demonstration and power. When you speak to people, God will give you a word to minister to someone. You could just be talking. Sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it. You can be like Jesus ministering to Nathaniel and what Jesus said to Nathaniel. Do you know what? It was exactly what Nathaniel was thinking under the tree. And it was the very key that unlocked him. Amen. Amen. But praise God, then Jesus sat and he taught. And you know what? As believers, we need to be taught. And as believers, we need to be equipped so that then when we do go to the world, we can be effective. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm not going to go any further than that this morning. Amen.